some thoughts on the election. Uh, it's not, I don't think any real strong conservatives are particularly thrilled in Idaho. The shiny shoes are staying in power for the most part. And, uh, you know, our shiny shoes, a little less shiny shoe than other people. But one thought on an election basis, uh, of which I can provide proof, is that conservatism practiced is better than conservatism faked. I'm not even asking anybody to come. You know, some governors beg people to come. I love the people we have here. I'm fine. But people are, they're fleeing a lot of these bad, and not just fleeing other states, they're fleeing from Canada. They're fleeing from other places to be able to come to the state of Florida. The other thing I can say is we understand the framework of the election. The racist anti-immigrant theory that says non-white immigrants are being brought to replace America's white population. The racist anti-immigrant the theory that says... You got that part. And then on a spiritual basis. And this one is hard to swallow. It just is. God doesn't lose. Todd Herman Show is 100% disapproved by big pharma, technocrats, and tyrants everywhere. Now, from the high mountains of free America, here's the Emerald City Exile, Todd Herman. Today is the day the Lord has made. These are the times to which God has decided we shall live. And say again, this is the day the Lord has made. These are the times to which God has decided we shall live. Weird, weird primary election. I'm gonna wait to see how many new Republicans voted or people who voted on the Republican ticket. I'm going to wait and see what the makeup of that is. And I'm very curious to see what degree people coming into Republican primaries because they cannot believe the evil being done by the left um, may have softened conservatism. I'm really curious about that because there's no doubt in my mind that there's a whole lot of people who never could have imagined voting Republican who did because of the, it's not just the excess. It is the, the evil that the evil party is, is creating and selling and pushing makes the lazy scheming complacent party look like a better, you know, a better alternative for the the two faces of the party. And there's so many lessons to take from this. I think one primary lesson that I've been talking about is red state firewalls. And we've been talking about this a lot on the program that that red states had better get used to having a firewall up or build them ideologically. Your cities are where this stuff is all sold. If you look at the the state of Idaho, and selfishly, I live here. So I've looked at this as a lesson, but it's a lesson that holds true across the board is the cities are where your Democrat voters, your leftist voters are curated, located and live and are served. And Democrats know what they're doing in making the cities a place where people come to 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 have services. And look, there's advantages to live in the cities. There's, there's some things I miss, honestly, about living in the big city. I honestly miss 
popping out of my apartment, walking down the street to go to one of any five restaurants or my, my gym is a two minute walk away. I mean, th- that's very attractive. There's things they don't miss and they obviously outweigh that. And there's things a lot of people aren't going to miss when the food shortage gets real about living in the cities, but that's, that's the time to come. But the Democrats know exactly what they're doing. And the cities, the, the more they turn them into playgrounds, you watch how, as they get more and more leftist. You take any chemical you want, that's cool. You sell any chemical you want, that's fine too. Well, they'll spend money on amusement toys like colored intersections and choo-choo trains and, and human rights commissions that can't do anything. And they'll, they'll give people feel-good dopamine hits, city council resolutions that... We, the City Council of Poughkeepsie, New York, hereby announce that we are committed to reducing the global carbon footprint to zero, starting in Poughkeepsie, New York. And they'll do that, and and the young people that get their dopamine hits, and man, I'm filled with meaning. I am a meaning machine. They, they, the everything LGB colored. And they know exactly what they're doing. And in and around that, then they they use that emotion, the emotion of dopamine, the emotion of we have meaning, the emotion of we care more. That's why there's so many RVs on the streets and the needles on the streets are a sign of our deep, deep caring. And when they do that, uh, then they use those methods, that emotion, that feedback loop to then import more voters and to curate them. Look at Boise, Idaho, the university at the center of that town. And it's a beautiful community. I don't mean to bag on Boise. I'm just saying, if you look at the electoral makeup of of the state of Idaho, it mirrors other states. So conservatism practiced is something that we need to show and tell. and, and, And frankly, I don't want to say brag because God abhors human pride. But we need to be able to point to and explain and showcase and experiment and get behind conservatism practiced. You know, there is a coming confrontation, it seems, between Ron DeSantis and President Trump. And we've talked to many, many listeners about this. And there was a time when it was 100% Trump and then it was like 80% Trump. I'm being non-scientific here. Recently with Dr. Oz, I've gotten the first emails I've ever received in the Trump era where people have turned their back on President Trump because of the Oz endorsement. And this is these are people who have written to me for years uh, who were very, very early on with, 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 with President Trump. And we have a lot to thank him for in terms of what he did for the country and what he may again do. But in light of the elections and now close in Pennsylvania, as I record this, and it's, it's going to may go down to a recount in Pennsylvania, be interesting to see if the Republicans plugged any data in the shiny shoes. It'd just be interesting to see if there's any data hockey sticks. I mean, they would never do that. Republicans are far too honest to cheat. They would never, you know, cheat. And I have no evidence, no indication, none, none that that happened. I have none. I just think it will be interesting to see if, if in fact, they did that with Mehmet Oz. Maybe, he just, maybe he's just going to win. As I'm recording this, maybe he's just going to win. But conservatism practiced, to me, sounds like this. 
This is Ron DeSantis being asked by a reporter. The reporter is hard to hear, but he is saying that there are people who are calling, who are using the word regime for DeSantis. That's not fair. You just use that for, for Biden. Cuba, uh, how do you feel about some members of the state legislature, specifically Carlos Pepe Smith, equating to your administration as a regime, uh, equating you to uh, an authoritarian dictator like Castro or even Well, I think it's a slap in the face uh, to everybody in South Florida that has experience with these Marxist dictators in our hemisphere. You have people who were driven out of the island of Cuba. You have people that will, that's so bad, the oppression there, that they would get on a raft and go 90 miles over shark infested waters to be able to get to freedom. Uh, you have people whose entire livelihoods were taken from them. Their entire liberty were taken away from them. And then they've come uh, to here in South Florida. You've seen the same thing in what's happened with Venezuela. Used to be a very pro a prosperous country. Then Chavez and Maduro, now it's like a third world country, even even though they have so many natural resources. You look at what's happened in Nicaragua. You look at what could happen in places like, like Colombia. Uh, so to equate Florida, which is viewed not only in our country, but even around the world as a beachhead of freedom, to equate that uh, with those regimes just shows that you have no idea what you're talking about. Uh, and I think that it really does a disservice uh, to the oppression that so many people in Southern Florida have faced either firsthand or through members of their family. And there's a reason why people are pouring in to the state of Florida. There's a reason why we've led the country in net in migration. I'm not even asking anybody to come. You know, some governors beg people to come. I love the people we have here, I'm fine. But people are, they're fleeing a lot of these bad, and not just fleeing other states, they're fleeing from Canada, they're fleeing from other places to be able to come to the state of Florida. And so uh, I realize there may be some people in the state of Florida, uh, not in my party, but uh, some others, politicians, uh, who have a soft spot for dictatorships like in Cuba. They have a soft spot for people like Maduro and Ortega. And, and I just want people to know that uh, I have contempt for those views uh, because those views do not represent the values of the state of Florida, but particularly the values of the people of South Florida. So lesson number one, practice conservatism. DeSantis is attractive and has high marks because he's practicing conservatism. He has a high approval rating because he is not just speaking it. And this goes to the, to the Mitch McConnell and Kevin McCarthy thing. You guys can elect shiny shoes. And you can get behind shiny shoes and you can kneecap conservatives. You can do that. You have the money. Well, okay. What are you winning? Okay. Yes, Mitch, I see your wealth. I do. I can smell it. I've, I've, I've smelled you. You know, we worked on one of your campaigns. I get it. I know that you're extremely important. And man, are you stacking up treasures on earth, Mitch? Amazing Trevor, uh, treasure trove of things you've stacked up right here on earth. Fantastic. Keep the moths away. Fantastic. And Kevin McCarthy, same. And this is the problem I think that we have as patriots. Because I dearly love this country. I love it because of what it has done for people. I love it because of its intent. I love it because I believe that the founding fathers, though they were, you know, deists and theists. and I love it because I believe they were inspired by God. 
I love it because we stood up against the monarchy. <laughs> I love it because the first boat in our Navy is the size of the room from which I'm broadcasting or rather recording this. I love it for that. I love it because the system of governance they designed came from study of the world's governance, including what was going on with the, the native tribes at the time. I love it because they, they looked at all those systems and said, what is the fatal flaw? Well, the fatal flaw is that they, none of them are based upon permission being governed by the permission of the governed or governing by the position of the, of the, the governed. None of it is, was based upon recognition of rights we hold by virtue of the fact that God chose to create us. Therefore, we have rights. Because God didn't create life just to have it stomped out. He, he didn't create life just to have us toil for no, you know, no reward. The Bible is filled with discussions of reward in exchange for toil. And, and, and we're calibrated that way and we're designed that way. And America rewarded that. And I love that about this country. I love that we have how many times in history been the ones to stand up to the last faces of evil. I love it all and all those reasons. So I think this is a great big challenge for patriots, which is God ones always. And our job in this, in my judgment, is to sit back and say, what is God's victory right now? Right? We know the end. We know how the game ends. God has told us how it ends. But what was the victory last night as we get these, you know, mamby-pamby, like in, in our state, Brad Little. Brad Little, who won't give our land or won't take our land back from the federal government. Idaho has a bill. Uh, it was on his desk. He said he would sign it. He won't. We've got the disappearance of billions of dollars in, in printed, invented, conjured so-called COVID aid. And people don't want to talk about where that went. We've got the mouth service on abortion, uh, but apparently our tax dollars are being funneled to that through these backdoor ways. And we've got all of these things and Brad Little won re-election. What's the victory? Well, I think that the victory is this. I think that the Lord might be giving us the permanent victory of putting politics and, and I also almost, almost slipped. Woo, watch your mouth, Herman. Politics and politicians in their place. Render unto Caesars, uh, unto Caesar that which is Caesar's. The hope for our future is not, does not belong to government. It's not theirs. The Lord has told us, render other Caesars that which is his. The, the, the hope for our future doesn't belong to Kevin McCarthy or Mitch McConnell or Brad Little or, or any of the conservative candidates. Like the, the hope for our future, if we believe in the ultimate future, lies with God and our commitment to walk with him and in his ways. So what is his work? What, what, what is he getting done here? Well, he's showing us some things. The cities are the, the centers of depravity. This is what the left knows. They're treating them like Maoist villages. Once they capture them, they capture hearts and minds, and then they use those hearts and minds to capture policy. Then by policy, then they capture position. And as policy and position match, suddenly they start to act like this is the way it is around the country. You get the sense of momentum. And young people, in fact, all people want to be on the side of the winner. So what do we do? We go back and we take any occasion where conservatism is actually practiced and we trumpet it. And we also put God in his 
rightful place. Well, we can't put God anywhere, but we regard God in his rightful place. For instance, what's the leftist portion, the evil portion uh, of the party, of the, the two faces of the party? What they have planned is so utterly brilliant, it can't be their idea. This is, this is, this is gaslighting, but in advance. This is like, what is that movie with Michael J. Fox? Back to the Future. This is Back to the Future gaslighting. They're taking a, an actual campaign tactic of the Democrats, of the leftist portion of the party, and this is all aided by Mitch McConnell and they all give lip service. Oh, we want the open borders to stop. No, you don't. We want the wall built. No, you don't. We want illegal immigrants deported. No, you really don't. You, you honestly don't. We know it. We know it. That's, that's fake conservatism. It's mouth service conter- conservatism. What did the DeSantis do? Put people on buses or was that Abbott? I think they both did that. Didn't they both do that? Hey, Washington, D.C., here's your illegal immigrants. So what do we look at with God and what he's doing? Well, this, the tactic that the left intends to employ is this back to the future gaslighting of creating a lie like men or women and making us afraid to speak it. The conservatives or rather the shiny shoes have fled from this term in advance. Very few of them have not fled from this term. And I talked about the other day on the program yesterday. I understand that there are racist connotations to the idea of replacement theory, such as being against interracial marriage. There's no one I know who's against interracial marriage. For God's sake, it's the silliest, it's the silliest most offensive idea that, that people of so-called different races shouldn't marry. It's so stupid. I don't know anyone who believes it. But this out in advance putting a prohibitive block up against talking about a tactic that's going on right now is just remarkable. We know what the Democrats are up to here. They want open borders. This is exactly their strategy. Uh, They want to replace the American electorate. With a growing number of Republican lawmakers now openly promoting the far-right so-called great replacement theory. For many Americans, what seems to be happening or what they believe right now is happening is uh, what appears to them is we're replacing national born American, native born Americans to permanently transform the political landscape of this very nation. The racist anti-immigrant theory that says non-white immigrants are being brought to replace America's white population. This administration wants complete open borders and you have to ask yourself why. Is it really they want to remake the demographics of America? Democrat politicians who have decided that they can't win re-election in 2022 unless they bring in a large number of new voters to replace the voters that are already here. That's what this is about. The theory has been amplified by voices on Fox News. I mean, everyone wants to make a racial issue out of it. Ooh, the, you know, white replacement theory. No, no, no. This is a voting rights question. This is a quote from Stacey Abrams. Blue wave 
is African-American. It's white, it's Latino, it's Asian, Pacific Islander. It's made of those who've been told they're not worthy of being here. It is comprised of those who are documented and undocumented. Julian Castro, Julian Castro. In a couple of presidential cycles, you'll be on the election night. You'll, you'll, You'll be announcing that we're calling 38 electoral votes of Texas for the Democrat nominee for president. It's changing. It's going to become a purple state and then a blue state because of demographics. Dick Durbin, the demographics of America are not on the side of the Republican Party. The new voters in this country are moving away from them, and instead they're moving to be independents or even vote on the other side. Biden, Biden, an unrelenting stream of immigration, nonstop, nonstop. Folks like me who are Caucasian or European descent for the first time in 2017 will be in the absolute minority from the United States of America. Absolute minority. Fewer than 50% of the people in America from then on will be white European stock. That's not a bad thing. That's the source of our strength. And this is, I'm taking this from a Tucker Carlson piece. He goes on to quote pieces from the Politico. He goes on to quote pieces from Buzzfeed. He goes on to quote pieces from, from, you know, the, the, the intelligentsia of the beltway saying the Democrat strategy is immigration. It is to use immigration to change the demographics, to change the electorate. So how do we reply as godly people? Hmm. Hmm. Well, one thing is we are not bullied into shutting up. This is a campaign tactic. We've talked about it forever. They put a scary name on it. It's like they did with ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine. This is the COVID-19 thing done with their demographic pushed. So what about the people though? How do we respond in a godly way? Oh, tonight is the big night. I am no doubt, since I'm recording this in advance, I don't want to lie and say, oh, I'm doing this live. Um, tonight's the big night of the event, of the event in, at Cedar Park Christian Church, uh, 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. I am no doubt, as you are listening to this, probably going through and really just making sure that I understand the scripture um, that I'm going to use. Other than that, I speak off the cuff. I, I don't write speeches. Um, tonight, my friend Zach Abraham is going to address the crowd, address the family. Um, he's the chief investment officer, Bulwark Capital Management. When we got this podcast started and off the ground, Zach stepped up with some money. True for true story. Um, and he stepped up to help us get a head start on on keeping access to you. If you listen to us at KTTH, uh, to the KTTH stream, Zach stepped up and said, hey, let's make sure that that doesn't go away, that people don't lose touch with you. So what you're hearing today wouldn't exist without that man in that form. Or, well, it would have cost me a a, a whole lot more money. Uh, Startup cost. So I want you to know that about my friend. I want you to know something else about my friend. Uh, when, when my, what our mutual friend, Dory Munson, who is a market dominant radio host in Seattle, and he doesn't call himself a conservative, but it's, it's, it, he's, he's pretty conservative. Um, and he is as common sense as the day is long when he was nearly canceled. Zach stepped up, put his money where his mouth is and said, yeah, uh, Hey Seahawks, I'm going to go ahead and hold off on my significant advertising monies until, until Dory's back. See, it's his money where his mouth is. It's his friendship where his money is, right? That's one of the reasons I believe so strongly in him as a financial advisor. 
because of how he has used his success that he is quite aware that God gave him. He'll take the same honest approach in managing your money. He is fully focused at Bulwark Capital Management on, 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 on managing risk, risk management. Because if you don't have a risk management strategy and you're headed into retirement, you could lose 40% of your portfolio literally overnight. So Bulwark Capital Management has the same solid management that Zach has as friend. Okay, it's knowyourriskradio.com. You can go there that way, knowyourriskradio.com. Call 866-779-RISK. That's 866-779-RISK. Investment advice cannot be given without a client services agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor, representative of Trek Financial LLC, and SEC registered investment advisor. It's good to have friends. Thank you, Zach. Can't wait to see you tonight. So the people that the left is portion of the party with the permission of and the, the help of Mitch McConnell, because have you seen Mitch step to the table to counter this? Have you seen Kevin McCarthy say, well, wait a minute, they are doing this. Nope, they're going to duck and cover. They always do. Because they want the same things, just in different ways. Mitch and Kevin know that their road to riches is based upon tax cuts and, oh, we're the ones protecting your guns and we're the ones that are going to stop abortion, they speak of. So they're not going to step up. So the human beings who are, in fact, coming into the country are being brought into the country. And they're being brought here for a number of reasons. One is to help bring the country down. This is global. This is going on all around the country. They're all around the world. They're bringing in people who need assistance immediately because they are having a controlled demolition of the economy. The other factor here, of course, is the leftist portion of the party that wants these voters. Here's the trap we fall into. We love because he first loved. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have, um, uh, have they seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. What they do on the left is they make everything hatred. They make everything this surface level. You hate people because of the melanin level of their skin. That's what replacement theory is about. You just don't like the, you don't like the cut of their jib. You don't like the, you don't like the trees in their, the crease in their trousers. You don't like the specific shade they are of PU1331, whatever, whatever the shade is. That's what you don't like. It's a simple game. It's a sick game. It's a deceptive game. And dang it, it's an effective game. It is so effective. Because they have the Mockingbird media with them. President saying hate and fear is being given too much oxygen in this country. He said those who use it for power, political gain, and profit, he called them out. David, I think there is no question that this is the strongest condemnation yet from Joe Biden since he took office against the hate, the racist hate that is ripping this country apart. You heard him label this a racist rampage and calling it out for what it is terrorism, calling, as you know, white supremacy a poison. And what is really remarkable here is that President Biden directly called out the members of the media and those in the political sphere that are allowing this hate to fester. The president calling out those who are allowing this kind of hate to radicalize individuals through the internet into believing this kind of fringe racist replacement theory that was espoused by the alleged shooter in Buffalo. And the president saying that those who spread lies for power, 
political gain and profit must be called out, must stop, because of course it is the diversity of this country, as the president noted, that, that makes it so strong. And I, th- I can't even listen to the rest of it because we know the true Biden. But it's so effective. So what do we do? We put God, no, we can't put God anywhere. We recognize God in his proper place. We put politics where they belong. That's difficult to do when you know how stinking big the lie is. This MAGA crowd is really the most extreme political organization that's existed in American history. It's pretty sharp language from the president. It's the sharpest language that we should expect from Biden. In his most forceful pushback yet. Margaret, he's sharpening attacks uh, heading into the the midterms. I think that is the type of argument that you're going to hear from this president. They're going to put you all back in chains. If we were in high school, I'd take you behind the gym and beat the hell out of them. Not allow no one to place a dagger at the throat of democracy. Or let's start a real physical revolution. You want to be the side, the side of Dr. King or George Wallace? This is Jim Crow on steroids. No, I wish you were in high school. I could take it behind the gym. You're a stupid son of a bitch. I'm going to beat this man like a drum. <laughs> From the free beacon, we know the truth. We know the truth. Well, who invented truth? God did. Putting our hearts in the right place, putting our minds in the right place. Love God with all your heart and all your soul. Love your neighbor as yourself. What if God is laying it right out for us? What if we have the opportunity to love the people who are being shipped into our country? I didn't say accept the shipping. I didn't say accept the illegality. I didn't say make illegal immigration okay. I didn't say stop fighting for a border wall. I am talking about in our hearts and our minds, putting God in the proper place inside of us. I ask this because I know the answer for myself. I have never prayed for illegal immigrants once, ever, not one time. I have known illegal immigrants or people I presume to have been illegal. Back in the day in radio, I used to talk about a family we knew from from our daughter's athletics. I'm pretty certain they were illegal. They were also tremendous parents, better parents than I've ever been. And their kids showed it and they were desperately poor and dang it. Their kids were great kids. And if, if an immigration hearing came up, I would have, I would have sprinted to court to say, I'll, I'll help them stay, get them across the border, pay the fine, get back in line. I'll, I'll sponsor them to come back. These are the sort of people we want here in this country, but I've never prayed for illegal immigrants. They've never prayed for their children. Our hearts, when they're hard, our prayers are unheard. This very unsettling thought occurred to me the other day that I was praying about, I was praying to God 
look, look, help, help me be less desirous of, of getting my, my shoulder back and being able to do my gymnastics. And, and let me just, let me get rid of this, this, this desire to go back and just one more time in competition, just one more time. Let me compete just once more. And I was praying to God, um, just, just, and, and then I heard God say, you are a liar. That is not what you want. You love this. You're lying to me in the prayers. Man, it was convicting and I had to say, you're right. Father God, of course you are. Help me put this in context. In fact, you know what I need with this. Your will be done. The Bible is filled with, asp- or, uh, with incidents where the people hardened their heart against the will of God. And God says at that point, hey, I'm really not listening. Politics is the art of heart hardening. Modern politics is the heart, is, 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 the, is the art of hatred. It's the, the art of being despicable, to have the other side despised. It plays straight off of the world's first politician. Satan was the world's first politician. The first attempt, well, he was a homebreaker, brother on brother. So how do we put ourselves in the right position so that our prayers for our country might well be heard? Well, God left a rule book. He left an owner's manual. Don't harden our hearts. And man, it's difficult because I'm going to tell you, as this hour goes on, it's going to get more difficult. But ain't that the way with the Lord? He didn't say he wants us to be happy at all times. He wants us to actually be holy, not just justified as holy as only he can do, but actually be holy. Then may Waymail get the consolation prize. We'll get eternity and the consolation prize and we'll get America back. Because I do love this country. I think I love it as much as all of you. Uh, my friends at, um, at American Financing, AmericanFinancing.net. This is an American story like no American story to me. Uh, it is a story of, if this is the, the thing that's so against the odds. This is, this is truly truly shouldn't have happened. <laughs> this, how did this happen? Think of the, the mortgage banks you think of in your mind. You know, not, you know, AmericanFinancing.net because they've been on the you know, show. They were with Rush for a decade. God rest the maha. But you think of the big mobbed up entities that are mortgage banks. And then you take American financing and you remember, just picture your basement or the smallest room in your house and pulling out your credit card and saying, hey, honey, let's put 5,000 down. Let's take 5,000 of the credit card. Let's start a mortgage bank and make it a national mortgage bank. And then, then let's have it last for 20 years. And then let's have it be, you know, A plus the Better Business Bureau and have 6,700 Google plus reviews that are top stellar, top notch reviews. Let's do that. This should never have happened. How did it happen? Because they work like this. They, they agreed to use us to get an introduction to you so we could tell you some things. 
Number one, the time for a cash out right refinance, man, it is so, so tenuous, but man, it's huge for people. They're saving people up to 1000 bucks a month. Yeah, but oh, I got to pay a bunch of fees. No, no, American Financing and AmericanFinancing.net is so successful because they don't charge upfront fees. Why? Because they're man and wife. They remember the five grand on the credit card, right? And they pay their people a good, honest, consistent salary. Their people love them. I know because I've been on team calls. They love this company because there's no commissions. So here's how this works. You get a free mortgage review. You go to AmericanFinancing.net and you apply. You get a free mortgage review. A human being will look at that. Now, if you have some unique circumstances, call them. They do unique loans for unique people with unique circumstances. 866-887-2275. That's 866-887-2275. There is no risk. Ask them to review your mortgage. If they can save you money, they'll tell you and they can get it done in as little as 10 days. 866-887-2275 or AmericanFinancing.net. NMLS 182-334, NMLSConsumerAccess.org. Uh, I, I, I have before told the story of being in the poker game with the engineers, mostly engineers at Microsoft, and I realized I can't beat these guys on math. So I, I had to play the game in a dramatically weird fashion. I, I, the only way I was going to get to the final table and I got to the final table, the, and there was a lot of people, a couple hundred people, but the only way I was going to get the, to the final table was play the people. The only skill I had that they didn't have is I know how to read body language. Um, I know how to put people in emotional tilt. Um, I, I, I know how to um, employ suggestibility and, and uh, some psychological uh, psyop a little baby psyops at the table and it worked and it got me to the final three. Then I messed up and I was out and it was the math and they got me. Why am I saying all that? Because that power of psychology, I knocked a guy out of that game who had no business being knocked out of that game. He didn't have any of the stress of money. He was, he was so made. I'd seen his houses, houses on Mercer Island. If you know Seattle, it's to have houses. There's a big deal. So he didn't have the stress of money. He didn't care money he lost. He didn't care about the buy-in. None of that mattered. But when he was absolutely convinced that I was a joker and a lunatic just who got lucky to be at the final table, when I bluffed enough and got caught bluffing enough and made it obvious bluffs and let him get used to the fact that this guy is an absolute joker, then I suddenly turned the corner, started to play a tight game of poker, and I walloped that guy psychologically. Absolutely walloped him to the point of him knocking his chip stack over and getting emotionally upset. And showing it. And since it is a cutthroat <laughs> business, Microsoft. So I, I say to the guy of, hey, um, is everything okay at home? Well, <laughs> that was not a nice thing to say. And I wouldn't say it now as a, as, as, a, as a Christian man. What's my point of this? I was playing devil's advocate. Not really, but I was playing a devilish role. Because I wanted to win the game. So I put him on tilt. The enemy goes around putting people on tilt. 
And in the election business, in the political business, in the United States of America, politics is the business of hatred. Christianity is the business of love and rules and the rule of law and honesty and honest leaders who employ fair, fair measures, who do not pick and choose winners and losers. All of that is biblical. But look at the ways they're putting us on tilt. This is more from the media. Listen to what they are comparing the Boston or probably the Buffalo murderer to. L listen to this. I wouldn't have a problem with that, with not talking uh, about um, Tucker Carlson. If we talked about race in our schools, if we talked about race within our families, because getting back to what happened in Buffalo, you've got an 18 year old kid who drives 200 miles to kill black people with uh, just with a single vision to kill black people. And now we have parents storming school boards and saying, we don't want to talk about race relations. Yeah. We don't want to talk about anti-racism. Well, what are you teaching your kids at home then? What's going going on in your home? What are you talking about in your home? So obviously CRT was never the problem. It's WRT. It's white replacement theory is the problem. Yes, a theory that most people have never heard of is clearly the problem. And again, we can go through that and the nonsense that it is and dice it apart for the lies that it is. And I can I can sit here and drive myself crazy trying to figure out, are you deranged? Are you crazy? Are you hypnotized? Are you possessed? Are you ignorant? Are you all of the above? Are you a fame seeker? Why are you saying that? Or are you completely traumatized into believing it? Because that's a possibility as well. Or all of the above is always a way out. All of the above. It works. So how do we derail it? I am not saying accept critical race theory in the schools. It's hatred. It is racism embodied. We cannot fight for the things of God using the tools of Satan. So what are we teaching in our homes? I can't remember a time where we prayed about race relations. Now, my daughter knows absolutely for sure. You don't ever judge a person by their race in front of me. Not ever. I will not abide it. I knew without a doubt, because one of the few times I saw my father employ violence was when a guy wouldn't let his black friend on a fishing boat. My dad threw the guy down on the dock and shoved his head underwater for just a little while. I knew you didn't do that around my father. My mother took different tacks. We need to have our families, all of them, starting today, see us, and it's, it cannot be acting. See, the enemy is creating race relation problems. Barack Obama is, in fact, one of the most vital enemies of this, of this world, let alone this country. And, of course, he poisoned race relations. It was his goal. He's a Saul Alinskyite. Divide. That's his whole bag. And he got wealthy doing it. 
But we need to be so visible in this as our families see us pray on a sincere basis for race relations, even as we can look at our hearts and search our hearts and say, I am not able to feel racism. I've admitted when I have biases, I said, I just, just said, was it yesterday? I talked about my problem with Southern accents I used to have because of my stepdad. I allowed that to eat into my brain. We need to do what God has prescribed us to do. Love God with all our hearts and all our souls. Love our neighbors as ourselves because God first loved us. And what is the payoff? Again, if our hearts are hardened and how could they not be with dribble like that, washing from the mouth of a, of a, of, of, of a hedonist like this. I, I shouldn't say that. I don't know her to be a hedonist. She's probably just a, a, a pagan something. And even that's a hateful thing, I said. Putting in our minds and in our hearts, God in the right place. If enough of us do this, if enough of us do it and soften our hearts, the entire Bible is about this. And God hardened their hearts and, and their hearts were hard. And, and so God didn't listen. Man, politics is about making our hearts hard. It is so about that. And people get their hearts so completely hardened and distorted that they can argue with themselves within, within a, 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 a two minute period. You, you got to hear this. This is the same woman on CNN and she absolutely negates her own thinking in a period of about two minutes. This first cut, if I do this the right way, is going to be, it came later in what she was saying, but I play it first so you just know how disqualifying she is of her own thoughts. All that white Americans have to come to terms with, why is it that uh, African Americans and brown and black people uh, more generally are seen as the other or demonized uh, so easily in a lot of our politics? You know, we sort of talk about white supremacy, but it's also the ways in which people talk about folks coming across the border, the demonization uh, that goes around uh, uh, about those folks that somehow they also are a threat uh, right. to America. Wait, wait until you hear what she said just prior to that. She negates her own thoughts. There she is asking white people, how come black and brown people are always demonized? Oh, even now as I'm talking about love, I feel hatred for what she says. Well, because I know it's coming. You'll hear it. <laughs> You'll hear it. I didn't plan it this way. I actually, I confess, I was actually supposed to talk about our, uh, our partners in American financing here. I screwed this up, but maybe this is just the Lord saying, no, I want you to talk about Alan's artisan soaps here. God, or cleanliness is next to godliness. As you treat the least of these, so you treat me. Have you yet gone to allenssoaps.com and read about young Allen. He's not a figurehead. He is not a logo. He's not a mascot. He's a young boy, 11 going on 12, who lives and breathes and thinks and laughs and loves Minecraft. And he works like a dog at his company where he's chief soap officer. Quality control, shipping, stamping, the things that other companies have robots do, 
Alan does, and then the creative work of creating these unbelievably unique scents of soaps, things like you've never heard, vanilla lime, lavender rosemary, which was inspired by Alan's grandmother, cedarwood jasmine, which is my soap of choice, watermelon basil. All of these are small batch. All of them are made in America. All of them come with three generations of experience in making soap. They picked the right mentors. So young Alan is a young boy who lives and breathes and matters and works and studies and plays Minecraft. And the party would have disposed of him. And the company, Alan Soaps at alansoaps.com slash Todd. This is where you get the Herminator subscription. You get six bars of soap, a soap rack, soap pouch, and a fluff, all at a 10% savings. It's Alan's Soaps, A-L-A-N-S Soaps.com slash Todd. Alan Soaps and this company, it's a template. They're building not just a company. It's not just great soap. It's not just great product. It's not just loving our neighbor as we love ourselves. It is, in fact, a template to take to other entrepreneurs to say, see here, look, behold, young Alan, behold the work he does. Behold his heart and his mind in building this company. Behold your opportunity to choose life and respect for life. It's alansoaps.com slash Todd. Alansoaps.com slash Todd. So the first part of the quote from this woman on CNN, and and, uh, sometimes people say, can you please give us names of the people? It's in the show notes. I honestly don't want to fill my head with this lady's name because of what she's said here and how she's saying it. In the previous clip, she was saying, white people need to ask themselves, why is it that that black and brown people are always demonized and others and othered? And this is a white person problem. And, and this is your unique sin. And, and she, she happens to be a woman of color. She said that right after she got done doing this. You know, it has been the story of our time. It has been the story of America. These sort of twin uh, cultures, not only gun culture, but also white supremacist uh, culture as well. And gun culture, uh, in some ways, being used to reinforce uh, white supremacy, as we saw uh, in in this instance in Buffalo, and as we've seen in other instances, El Paso, uh, in in Pittsburgh, uh, in Charleston as as well, uh, a few years ago. You know, Biden was talking about two Americas here. He talked about uh, the ordinary African-Americans, many of whom uh, came to Buffalo fleeing racial violence. You think about uh, the the ways in which uh, these northern uh, black towns came to existence. Uh, A lot of those folks were fleeing uh, oppression in uh, the South, only to be met with oppression and racist violence uh, in in these northern cities. Going about their daily lives at a grocery store, that is one America. And the other America, uh, the kind of racism that is coursed through this country uh, for decades and hasn't been uh, denounced enough, hasn't been rooted out enough. You know, oftentimes it is African-Americans who talk about racism. It is really a white cultural problem. uh, (laughs) Wow. She's the same one who said, how is it that black people and people of color, as she calls human beings, how is it that they're always demonized and othered? Right after she said, hey, white people, there's two worlds. There's a world where there are virtuous black people who float above the ground, therefore not leaving any steps behind, not to, not to sully the earth with their steps, who float about doing good for everybody, a la fairies, and they have no problems amongst them. And then there's your filthy, stinking, disgusting, rank, sticky, moldy, smelly, 
on fire with hatred, white America. So you need to get your stuff together because we have absolutely no hatred in our cities where the number one cause of death of young black people is, let me check my notes. COVID, no. Cancer, white supremacy. Oh, young black people. All virtuous. The lesson for me of politics is give unto Caesar that which is his. Give unto God that which is his. God has asked us to love him with our whole heart, our whole soul, to love our neighbors as ourselves. There is, in the book of Romans, and acts to some degree, a call that we be good citizens, and we must. And we need to make sure that when we're allowed to vote, we vote. When we're allowed to. We're going to talk next week about these closed primaries and that, that madness. We're asked to do that. We're told to do that. But if we put God at the top of all this, then politics will be in the right place and softened hearts are humble hearts. I didn't intend to say 30% of the personal stuff I said today. I didn't know that I hadn't prayed for illegal immigrants until I opened my hole and began speaking with you. It didn't occur to me that I've never play, prayed for race relations, ever. Uh, no, that, I take that back. In public, I have. As part of a prayer group we have. But not of my own volition. In fact, that wasn't even my prayer. It was one of my friends. Hardened hearts render prayers God does not hear. So we want the long-term win of being with the Lord. Well, he's left the instruction kit. We want the short-term win, shorter, for no one knows the time or the place. The Lord will come like a thief in the night. We want the short-term win of getting our country back. We can't do good politics when we're angry. We can't make good tactical decisions when we're furious. We can't win the media game when we allow them to bait us into hatred. We can't win in political spheres when we don't practice conservatism, actually practices, which is about fairness, which is about treating the least of these in a proper way, in an equal way. We can't do any of those things until we give unto Caesar that which is his and God unto that which is his. And I get it. I got two song reviews from people where they say they've sent me songs that they can't get away from. And they feel they speak of this time. And I play these two songs and I get down. I feel so down. And then like the Lord does, as I'm talking to my wife this morning, man, this is depressing. People are sending me these songs and they're so depressing. And, and even if the music reviews are good, they're so depressing. And just as I'm speaking to her across my, my dangable 
social media feed across of all things, Jack Dorsey's hate machine came a bit of news that, that said, God is still with us. He's still doing miracles, but he's using people to do the miracles. And it comes from an industry segment that has done so much harm to us. Big medicine. It just hit me. From our friend, Elliot, Todd, my brother, and I are very excited to see you Friday. That's today. Can I bring something for you to sign? <laughs> Sorry. You've listened to the show a bit. You know that I'm very uncomfortable signing autographs. Thank you for that. Uh, anyway, a song popped into my head. Listening to your ideas about red state firewalls and how so very many good conservative people and moderate people who are just not crazy leftists are moving out of destroyed blue cities and states. Although Springsteen is a leftist, his song, My Hometown, seems to really hit the themes of being forced to leave somewhere that you've spent the majority of your life because most of the things are changing. In the song, the narrator's family make the hard decision to move south because the local economies collapse and there are no jobs left. My understanding is the song is based on Springsteen's real experience growing up in New Jersey. The song may be about leaving for economic reasons, but it makes me think about leaving somewhere else for cultural or social reasons. Yeah, and one of the things about the boss who is absolutely factually crazy far left is he is a visual songwriter. That's a really, really special gift. I challenge you as you listen to this to not picture, to not let the pictures inhabit your mind. He's also the very best in my judgment at quietly seething through songs, quietly seething. Bruce Springsteen, My Hometown. Eight years old and running with a dime in my hand. To the bus stop to pick up a paper for my old man. Sit on his lap in that big old Buick steer as we drove through town. Tassel my hair, say something. I do. I picture Seattle. Yesterday I said Gastown, which is in Vancouver. I meant Belltown. I picture it. Man, it's easy to get down. I was saying to my wife, I listened to the song. She said, why are you listening to that? It's so sad. I said, I'm feeling sad today. I don't yet know what I'm to do with this show post-election. I was hoping to see a lot of conservative victories. Real conservatives. And then I looked and I'm going back through the direct messages on Twitter and I get this from yet another listener. And it came in a little while earlier, but it's sitting there for me to read now. 
because I'm blessed with a lot of messages from folks. Listening to Todd Herman today, he played Country Boy Can Survive, reminded me of the stark reality echoing through these lines. It's a song by a guy named James McMurtry. I got to say, I didn't know about James McMurtry. Um, The song is called We Can't Make It Here. And he employs a device, which is just this repetitive um, melody and stark production, repetitive melody. And it's suggestive of just about every song of this structure. But somehow he's able to pull this off. And if I'm not mistaken, either John Mellencamp's ripping him off or he's ripping off John Mellencamp. And one of these songs um, that Mellencamp did called Let It All Hang Out, which is a faster version of the same sort of song structure, same sort of melodic structure and rhythmic structure. But man, it's a sad song. Dissonant. Almost atonal. Almost hard to listen to. Quite on purpose, I take it. Oh, that guitar is tasty. That is tasty. There's a Vietnam vet with a cardboard sign sitting there by the left turn line. A flag on his wheelchair flapping in the breeze. One leg missing and both hands free. mind to him the VA budget's just stretched so thin and there's more coming back from the Mideast war we can't make it here anymore and that big old building was a textile mill it fed our kids and it paid our bills but they turned us out and they closed the doors we can't make it here anymore It's uh, a song called uh, We Can't Make It Anymore. And it came from, uh, it's uh, James McMurtry came from Twitter, The Great Divide, at The Great Divide 14 without the last E. So easy to get down. So these songs come up. I'm recording. I was like, now you're going to listen to that one? What are you trying to do to me this morning? Well, good thing we had a bunch of bone frog coffee. And I truly despaired of the show today. I truly despaired of it. One should never admit this. It's not coming to speak with you. I love speaking with you. It was despairing of the show. And then it just came across Jack Dorsey's hate machine. He's still doing miracles. Politics is hatred in a modern sense. It's division, it's hatred, it's guile, it's jealousy, it's avarice. It's crazy making. It's rage creating. It's merchandising misery. It's all of these things. God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. Well, here's what came across the feed. It was a stupid bit of clickbait. I can't even believe I gave into it. It's light in the darkness that the darkness has not overcome. 
the headline, <laughs> mom said to give birth to her son twice. I'm thinking, okay, I'm really just curious about how they twisted this. I thought it was going to be some transhuman something. And I guess you could the overtones of that. But then I read the article. And then I listened to the mother speak. And then I remembered that God is still doing miracles. And as in the days of, of, well, the days of the Bible, when God first spoke directly to Adam and Eve and, and Abram and then who became Abraham and then eventually uh, to, to, um, to Noah, to Job, and eventually then through the prophets and then through judges and kings and then ultimately through his son, Christ Jesus. Then when the Lord Jesus left the earth, he turned the work to us to accept the Holy Spirit, to, to have the work turned to us. It's our job now to build, to create disciples. It's our job now to do that work. You're going to hear the voice of a young woman named Jaden Ashlea. She was 19 weeks pregnant. She learned that her unborn son had spina bifida, a defect where the spine and spinal cord don't form correctly. She was first told there was no hope. So the people at Planned Parenthood offered her a free popsicle. I don't actually know if she ever considered Planned Parenthood. She probably didn't because they went on a hunt to save their little boy. Basically, our son was diagnosed with spina bifida at 19 weeks. At first, we were told that there, you know, is no hope. He's going to be brain dead. He's going to have no life, blah, 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 blah. And then we got more answers and we looked further beyond those original doctors. And we actually found a team of doctors in Orlando who specialize in open fetal surgery to repair the neural tube defect in the baby's back. And so they basically opened me up like a C-section, repaired the defect in his back to the best of their ability, closed me back up, and then I stayed pregnant for the rest of the time. It's very common for contractions and stuff like that to happen in preterm labor is always the biggest effect or impact of the surgery, but they monitor you really closely. So the next two weeks, I'll be in Orlando at Ronald McDonald House after I've already been in the hospital for a week. To save her little boy. The world of medicine has become so dark, so corrupted, and in there, there is good. And then there's a mother willing to go through anything like multiple surgeries to save her little boy rather than just going to the masturbation is murder abortionist. Putting God in his right place in our hearts is to remember that he went through unspeakable levels of pain. They attempted to steal his dignity. And even then, even then, he didn't give in to the trick of the devil. He could have hated everybody who was hammering him into that cross. And he didn't. And we're not him, and it's so very hard, and politics is about creating hatred. And hardened hearts produce prayers the Lord cannot, well, will not here. The lesson of these elections for me 
is to render unto Caesar that which is his, and unto God that which is his. And to remember, we love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates his brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister, whom they have seen, cannot love God, whom they've not seen. And he's given us his commitment. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. This is the Todd Herman Show. Please go be well, be strong, be kind. And let's together be people who give to God that which is his.